Hello, everyone. This is Ken, and uh, welcome to the third podcast here on the Weather Geek blog. Our first podcast was just kind of an introduction and a hello. The second one, we focused on microclimates versus macroclimates, what that means and how it influences our weather around here. And on this third podcast, I thought I would uh, give a little bit of a discussion about the computer models. You've if you've been reading the, the weather blog, you've probably run across posts where I refer to the computer models. And in fact, it's pretty frequent that I do that. Um, the reason is that the computer models that are available online um, basically provide the raw data that uh, a meteorologist needs to make a forecast. In this part of the world, that data is not that great, but it at least gives some guidance um, and allows me and others who are forecasting the weather anywhere in the world to take the raw data, uh, put the human input into it, which includes uh, personal experience and also a knowledge of some of the microclimate factors, and try to come up with a forecast that uh, might be somewhat close to accurate. <laughs> and of course, everybody knows that in the world of weather, uh, that system fails us quite frequently because of all the variables involved in the science of meteorology. But anyway, what do we mean about when we refer to computer models? You may have noticed on many of the blog posts that I talk about uh, the computer models might be in agreement on a particular day, or I might talk about how there's so much inconsistency between the models and how they're in complete disagreement. That means that they are cluing into uh, certain pieces of data and interpreting that data in different ways. Now let's go all the way back and just explain uh, what does it mean, what is a, what is a computer model? Well, you all know probably that there are uh, surface observations being taken all over the world. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of surface observations all over the world, even in the oceans. Uh, which are taken by buoys and on ships. And also, uh, just as importantly, there are what we call radiosonde balloons that are sent up into the atmosphere from hundreds of locations all around the globe, and they're sent up twice a day. Now, those balloons go up and they have little transmission or instrumentation and transmission packages attached to them. And so what they are doing is basically profiling the atmosphere. Uh, you know, weather is not just what's going on here at the surface. We basically live at the bottom of a deep ocean of atmosphere. And so what these balloons are doing is they are taking temperature, dew point, humidity, wind observations in all different levels of the atmosphere. And of course, uh, those things change in different levels. That's another thing that you notice if you've read the weather blog. I'm constantly talking about different levels of the atmosphere because what's happening in the middle levels, which is, oh, roughly 10 to 15 or 20,000 feet, and what is happening in the upper levels of the atmosphere, 20, 25,000 feet, all the way up to 40 or 50,000 feet, has a huge effect on the kind of weather that we're having down here. The winds can be blowing in completely opposite directions. There can be completely different humidity profiles. And, of course, temperatures vary greatly 
between the surface and the upper atmosphere. So that's the job of these weather balloons that are sent up uh, twice a day, is to gather information all around the world. It shoots it, transmits it back to uh, master computers, and then there are dozens of different computer models around the world, some based in the United States, some based in Europe, even some based in Asia and South Asia, that take that raw data, again, what's happening at the surface and also what has been transmitted from the weather balloons, and it goes into these very intricate and complicated algorithms and formulas uh, which have to do with climatology, have to do with past history. Uh, there's an input on certain kinds of microclimate effects, which we talked about in the last podcast. And basically what we're talking about is a Rubik's Cube of variables in these computer models. And eventually, after it cranks away on the data, it will spit out a forecast. Some of these computer models will give us information 12 hours, 24 hours, 36, 48, 60, 72, all the way up to about 180 hours. In fact, there's some that go even beyond that. But a 180-hour forecast is an entire week. Um, so it's pretty common to get a computer model or, or to find computer model data that will give us at least you know what the computer interprets based on current data might be happening seven to ten days out and if you're following what I'm saying I think you can understand that uh, each 12-hour period that we go to in the future means that the data is less and less accurate uh, the reason for that is of course the computer models are going to miss things in the near term and those tiny details and variables that might be missed in a 12-hour forecast all they do is exponentially increase as the hours go on and so something that was just a small mistake by the computer models in a 12-hour forecast becomes an enormous mistake by 48 or 60 hours that's why in the meteorological community we always joke that you know, a forecast beyond 72 hours, you might as well just be throwing a dart at, uh, at a dartboard. Now, that's not entirely true because the computer models, some of them have become amazingly adept at uh, general predictions all the way out to 7 to 10 days. But still, there's so many things that can happen in that period of time. Now, uh, what are some of the computer models we look at here? A lot of them have crazy acronyms, and I won't go into all that, but there are, here on my computer screen right now, I'm going to pull them up. Uh, I, I pulled up three or four that I look at on a daily basis that I think are very interesting. Um, some are provided directly from the India Meteorological Department website. There's the GFS model, which is actually one of the most popular around the world right now. And that goes all the way out to 168 hours. That's one that I check for upper air charts, for surface precipitation, and also for mid-level winds, which is around, oh, 8 to 10,000 feet, which actually isn't much higher than where we are here in McLeod Gunge. It might be around the Treand um, altitude. So we can see what the winds are doing just above us. And... I analyze that. That's the GFS model. Another one is called the WRF, 
And I really like this one. It only goes out 72 hours, but I found that it's pretty good at catching some of the some of the microclimate effects that are going on along the leading edge of the Himalayan ranges. Uh, it's it's got a high resolution, and so it kind of zooms in on the northern maybe quarter of India. So as I look at this, it come, it's I can I can get a 24-hour view, a 48-hour view, and a 72-hour view. And uh, it, what I've noticed, and I've talked to a couple of you around town about this, sometimes it over forecasts the precipitation. For example, last week during Losar, this model was dumping out four, five, six, seven centimeters of rain on top of us for both Tuesday and Wednesday. And if you remember, all we had was a quick period of thunder showers during the evenings on both of those days. We ended up with much less rain. So, you know, there's an example of a computer model that can sometimes just really lead us down the wrong road. Uh, but there have been plenty of other times where this model nails it, and it's amazing what a good job it does of giving a bullseye of uh, precipitation totals here along the front ranges of the mountains. Now, another one that I really like, and uh, I have a couple friends around town who are big weather geeks, and they like this as well. It's called monsoondata.org, and it gives lots of detailed information. It tells us what's happening in the upper atmosphere, what's happening at the surface, what's happening in the mid-levels. It even has a thing called convective available sorry, I'm tongue-tied. Convective available potential energy in precipitable water which gives us an idea of how unstable the atmosphere is and also how much moisture is available. You can't see it, but it tells us how much moisture is in the atmosphere if it is lifted and condensed into thunderstorms. So it can give us an idea of how much rain might fall if thunderstorms do develop. So those are three, and there's one other one which is not that great. Uh, it's called the Multi-Model Ensemble. And it's it's uh, keyed into Congra, which, you know, on a map is very close to us. But the temperatures in Congra are just very, very different than what we have here. In fact, I'll give you an example. I've got today's up here and it's telling us we're going to have a maximum temperature of 22 Celsius. And uh, actually here in McLeod Gunge today, it's only going to be about 14 or 15 Celsius. So that's a big difference. Uh, also, it, uh, the precipitation, it's telling us 0, 0, 0 all week long, which is correct. We don't expect anything until maybe Saturday or Sunday. But I, I don't rely on this uh, piece of data hardly at all because we can get a lot of rain up here in the foothills and in the mountains, and they can get nothing down in Congra. So basically, I, I glance at this every day just because it gives an idea of a trend. You can see whether the temperatures are trending up or trending down, and you can also see whether there is a an increase in the precipitation potential. I don't like the amounts because, again, it's too far away and it's a whole different climate down there. But uh, like I said, it's good for some basic trends. I'm going to stop here because I've already gone. It's funny how fast 10 or 11 minutes can go, but that's an overview. I know it's kind of a lot of blah, blah and a lot of technicality, but I thought maybe a few of you out there might like some deeper insight into what uh, what I am doing twice a day to try to come up with our forecast here. And those are our lovely computer models.
thank you so much for listening. It's really uh, great to have you. And um, we will have another podcast in the next few days. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.